0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. But Man, I'm just excited about tonight. I believe God's already doing something in here tonight. I don't know. Can you guys feel it tonight? There's something in the air. Our Savior is here with us tonight, and I believe He wants to do something special, and I'm honored to get to be a part of that. You know, we've been in this... The Choice is Right series. Has this blessed you guys? I know one thing has blessed me. It has blessed me. It's so crazy how God will create something like this in the middle, I guess we're toward the end of the year, man, it's fall already, that is just right where you're at, you know? You know, my wife and I have been in just this adoption process, and we're making choices. We're making decisions, and it just means so much to us, man, that God would meet us where we're at. That God sees where you are. He knew that you'd be sitting in this seat here tonight. And he knew you'd be facing decisions. You'd be making choices for your family. And he put this whole thing together. He put everything on pause and put this whole thing together to speak to you. And it's been such a great series, man. Pastor Mike has been knocking it out of the park. He started with the where is your squad? Where's your squad at? You know, then he talked about the secret sauce of making decisions, the fear of God and the choices checklist last week. And it's just been amazing. You know, you know, statistics say who these statistics really come from. I don't know. Google. But statistics say that an average adult makes thirty five thousand decisions a day. It's a lot of decisions. It's a lot of decisions. You know, some of these decisions are big. Some of them are big. Some of them are small, some of them are important, some of them are the most important, like you and your wife deciding where you're gonna eat for dinner tonight. But we make these decisions, and I believe that we serve a God who has an opinion about our decisions. He wants to speak to us about the decisions we're making, He wants to help lead us, help guide us, and help show us the right path for these decisions. So tonight we're gonna to talk about positioning ourselves to hear from God, to be in position. To listen, and we're going to take a look at the book Habakkuk. You may have never heard of that. I want to turn to your neighbor and say Habakkuk. We're going to look at Habakkuk chapter two, and we're going to take a look into that that verse tonight. Chapter two, the very beginning of that verse. And the name of my message this tonight—I'm sorry, I almost said this morning—is cheese crackers and obedience. Cheese crackers and obedience. Habakkuk two, verse one, and I'm reading out of the Common English Bible because I need Common English. It says, I will take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. I will position myself on the fortress. We're talking about being in position to listen. He says, I will keep watch to see what the Lord says to me and how he responds to my complaint. I mean, if you're going to complain, you might as well complain to somebody who can do something about it, right? He says, then the Lord answered me and said, write a vision and make it plain upon a tablet so that a runner can read it. Cheese, crackers, and obedience. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you're already doing in this room tonight, what you're doing in people's hearts tonight, Father, that you are opening people's ears, Lord. Lord, I believe that that stopped up ears will be open tonight, Father, that people will walk away hearing your voice clearly tonight, Lord. Or people will walk away sensing your peace tonight, your victory, Lord. People will walk away in position, Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to get to share your word, Lord. I pray that you speak through me tonight, that it be all about you, Lord. Lord, that you open hearts, you open ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Lord, we thank you in advance for victory for the saints tonight, Father. As you do it only you can do, Lord, that all the breeze may not be here, Lord, that you never leave us. Lord, that your grace is sufficient. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name football, football. I grew up on football. I grew up, I was convinced at some point, how I got convinced, I don't know, but I was convinced that I was going to be a professional football player. Football was my life. It was everything. Actually, I don't want to, I'm kind of embarrassed to share this tonight, but I was actually a Dallas Cowboys fan back when prime time Deion Sanders was around. You know, I'm Saints now. This is before Christ. I'm sorry, before y'all cheer. But I was convinced football would be my everything until actually I received so many concussions by the age of probably 13, I wasn't even able to play anymore. But I remember in Baton Rouge, there was one team you could play football for. That was the team to be on. Pee-wee football, I was probably 10, 12 years old. And I finally got the opportunity to play for this team, the Vipers. And I was excited, I was fired up. I've been playing running back my whole Pee-wee career. Here I am 10, 12 years, and I step on that field for the first practice. And how many of you guys know that there's politics in peewee football? So I come on to this practice, I'm all excited. Coach is like, Chris, what do you play? I said, man, I play running back. He said, my son plays running back. You're going to play something else. And he looked at me and said, you know what? I think you do great on defensive line. I'm like, all right, never thought about that. But he said, I need you to put a little weight on you. And they put a little weight on you, you go play defensive line. And, you know, he said, I want you to go home and I want you to eat peanut butter every night before you go to bed. So, you know, I figured, all right, peanut butter, I can do that. Put on a little weight, I'm probably going to look like The Rock. You know, he's kind of big, I can handle that. Now, you know, we're talking about the power of position. There's also power in peanut butter. And what my coach did not know was that we had a lot of peanut butter at home. You see, most people heard of government cheese. Well, we had government peanut butter too, commodity peanut butter. The white jar is just a black picture of a peanut. I don't even think they put nutritional facts on that stuff. And we had a pantry full of it. So man, I got home and I got to eating peanut butter. I'm telling you, I was smashing a jar a night, easy. About a month goes by. I'm 10, 12 years old, I guess. You know, I'm only five, six now. I was probably only three foot tall then. I probably put on 25 pounds, 30 pounds, man. And, you know, all my clothes wouldn't fit me anymore. We're starting school. My mom says, hey, we got to go shopping and because my clothes will not my pants will not even button." and we're shopping. I'm like, hey, Mom, I really like these pants. And she's like, no, honey, you got to come shop over here. I'm like, Mom, why do all the sizes have an H after them in this section? She wouldn't even tell me what the H stood for. My older brother, he's a tall, lanky fellow. He ain't had no problem telling me what the H stood for. Man, he ragged me so hard. But see, I wanted to do whatever I needed to do to be in position. I've been given a position, and as followers of Christ, when Christ died on that cross, we've been given a position to walk in. We've been given a position to stand. I just read this verse this morning. It says, you know, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. It says many are few, but small amounts are chosen. I think it's because we've been given this position, but so many people never walk in that position. You're talking about even Breeze. Breeze is out. He's not in position. Breeze can't make the plays that he was created to make when he's not in position. He can't hear the plays that he was created to hear when he's not in position. And I just want to clarify, I know when we talk about hearing from God, talk about being in position to listen, we have so many preachers, and this has happened to me. When I first began this whole Jesus thing, man, I come in here and we hear so many preachers say over and over again, God told me this. God told me that. You know, I woke up in the morning, and God told me this. And you're left feeling discouraged, and you're like, man, does God pour milk in your Cheerios in the morning, too? Because I know for me, it wasn't like that. Man, I'd go days, I'd go weeks, sometimes I'd even go months without hearing the voice of God. And I grew so insecure, I was scared that I was going to miss it. I was scared that I was going to miss my move, I was going to miss my play, you know, I was going to end up back where I was before. But God, I've learned over the time that, see, it's not our responsibility to make God speak, but it is our responsibility to be in position to hear him when he does. See, our God is too big to miss as long as we're in position. And see, being in position has privileges. I believe that being a child of God, as a follower of God, we have this unique privilege, the privilege of position. See, typically I find in life people are praying and pursuing Five different things. They're pursuing purpose. People want to make sure they know that their life matters, that they're not living in vain. They pursue provision. People want to pay the bills, right? We got to pay the bills. Keep the lights on. People pursue protection. You know, as a man, we're always pursuing protecting our family, making sure that our family is safe. We pursue progress. We want to be better than we were yesterday, hopefully. And we're pursuing peace. But see, I, see, I think as sons and daughters, this unique Privilege is that we don't have to pursue these things. We don't have to pursue purpose. We only need to be in position. As long as we're in position, purpose will pursue us. You know, we only need to make sure we're in position with God. And if we're in position, provision will pursue us. You know, Jesus himself said, Look at the sparrows, look at the lilies. They do nothing, yet I clothe them and feed them. So how much more will I care for you? See, we have this privilege of being in position. You know, Psalm 23 is one of the most famous psalms that's ever been written by David. You know, most people know it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's provision. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me along still waters. He restores my soul. That's peace. It says, he leads me along the right path for his namesake. That's purpose, and that's progress. It says, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for your rod and your staff comfort me. That's protection. It says, you are preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's just good. You understand what that says? I am preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I don't know what battle you're facing. I don't know what giant you're facing today, but he is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You are going to feast in front of your foe. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but he is preparing a table for you right now. He says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Then he goes on to say, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Surely provision will pursue me. Surely peace will pursue me. Surely God's voice will pursue me. But will we be in position? See, I think David was able to say this because he knew a thing or two about position. He starts this whole verse out, this whole chapter out saying the Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd. David knew that if a sheep follows behind that shepherd and he's in the right position, that shepherd's going to lead him in the right way. That shepherd's going to speak to him and direct him and guide him. You know, we look at the story of David, who became the greatest king of Israel in all of history. He started out as a shepherd. He started out taking care of sheep. We never saw David chasing after the throne. We never saw him pursuing fame. We never saw God give David step by step directions into being king. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Bible, David was not even in line to be king. Saul's son Jonathan was in line to be king, but David was in position. See, when you're in position, God will put you in places you didn't even know you were possible. So today we're going to talk about three keys to being in position to hearing God's voice. I know we, it's a big Bible. Bible's got a lot in it, but I really believe that God put these things on my heart, and if we can get these three things right, we'll hear his voice. We'll walk in peace. We'll walk in provision. We'll walk in purpose. We'll walk in progress. So we're going to look at Habakkuk 2.1. It says, I will take my post, and I will position myself on the fortress. If we're going to walk in position, church, we've got to be planted. We gotta be planted in God's house. You know, a seed until it's planted is only potential. Man, if I have a seed for the most beautiful tree there is right now, the biggest, most wonderful tree, I can sit there and take this seed and I can pray about it from blue in the face. I can read about it, I can go get every book about this tree, but it's not until that seed is planted and I let that soil do what that soil was created to do. When that seed begin to blossom. Will that seed begin to bear fruit and begin to resemble all that it was created to be? We've got to be planted. See, there's power in being planted. Even a weed, if it's planted long enough, can become something. Man, when I walked into this church, I was nothing but a weed. I had nothing to offer, but I planted myself here. I planted myself here, and God in the past nine years has made something out of my nothing but we got to be planted. And I'm not talking about casual participation. I'm not talking about you walk in here whenever it's convenient. I'm not talking about when as long as it's not raining, you're going to be in church. I'm talking about you know somebody. I'm talking about somebody knows you. I'm talking about somebody knows where you're living at. And I ain't talking about your street address. I'm talking about you got somebody with some spiritual authority in your life. Somebody that's been doing this for a little while. Somebody that knows what you're struggling with that they know what you're believing God for, what you're trusting God for. Somebody that'll lift your hands when you're tired. Somebody that'll tell you when you don't feel like coming to church, no boy, you need to get in church. Man, we got to get planted. We got to get planted. We got to people. And I think one of our tendencies for church, and it's sad because this is the one place that we should be real, is we want to be planted upside down in church. You know, we want everybody to see the pretty stuff. We put on our church voice. Even though you know you was fighting in the car, you walk in here, you put on your church voice, put on your church clothes. But man, this is the place that you should be the realest. Man, God wants all of you. He wants the dirty stuff, the nasty stuff, the stuff that you don't want anybody to see. Man, if you just get planted upright, man, God will use the soil on his people to speak into your life. He will use his people to water you when you need to be watered, to prune you when you need to be pruned. You know, we push small groups so much, and it's not because we're trying to get church participation, it's because there's power in small groups. He will use people to bring you a word. Now, I know personally, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we've been in this adoption process, and how many you know whenever you're going the right way, the enemy's going to come at you with opposition? And I don't know what it is, but, you know, we've been stepping this thing out, and all of a sudden, one morning, I just woke up, and there was a spiritual attack. I mean, it was like the enemy was on me. And I was reading my Bible. You know, I was praying in tongues. I believed praying in tongues. You know, I was doing everything that I possibly knew to do, and I just couldn't shake it. I'm telling you, I don't know what this was, but it was supernatural. You know, the word says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the enemy. We just fight against spirits and principalities of darkness. And I was in this fight, and I was so discouraged, man. I was to a point where I was ready to quit. I was ready to quit this adoption thing. I was ready to quit this preaching thing. I was ready just to quit. And it wasn't any specific incident that happened or anything like that. But how many of you know, 14 years ago, when I was very far away from God, in and out of jail, I was homeless. Man, I was living a life of crime, just getting in trouble. My mom began a small group, a little prayer group of women to pray for me. And these women sat around and prayed for me for years. So fast forward seven years ago. I get saved, you know, I'm serving at our North Baton Rouge campus, and a lady comes up to me, she said, hey, I feel like God's giving me a word for you. I'm like, all right, all right, you know, you never know if somebody says, I got a word for you, like, you prophesying, you prophesying, I don't know, you get a little question, you know, I don't really know you like that. So this lady gives me this word, and man, it spoke to me right there, but if I'm being honest, it didn't really make too, too much sense of where I was at. So actually, two days later, this lady comes up to me again. She goes, you didn't know this. And I was, I didn't know this when God gave me this word. But I was in a prayer group with your mom seven years ago. And we prayed for you every single day over the phone. So fast forward a couple weeks ago. I'm, stri- I'm fighting. I'm struggling. I'm in this battle. And I felt like God laid on my heart. Go find that word Miss Malia gave you. Go find that word. So I went digging in my stuff. And luckily, I kept it. And I'm telling you, this word from seven years ago, spoke exactly into the situation that I'm in right now. And I'm telling you, when I began to read this word out loud that God had given her for me, man, chains began to fall off me. Discourage began to fall off me. Anxiety began to fall off of me. See, God could be trying to bring you a word right now. He could be trying to bring you a word. He could try to bring you an answer, a solution, some guidance in your decisions right now. But if we're not planted, we can miss it. You know, I just think, what if, what if I hadn't come to church that day? What if I would have missed out on that? Where would I be right now? Because I'm telling you, church, I was ready to quit. Man, there's power in being planted. We can't wait till we're parched to be planted. We can't wait till we're perfect to get on a go team. We can't wait till we're, we're convenient to go to next steps. People give my wife and I plants as gifts. Who gives a plant as a gift? I don't know. It's not really my thing. If you ask me, anything that you have to take care of is not a gift. (laughs) Like, oh, thank you so much. I might just bring you a box of puppies tomorrow and see how you like that. But my wife and I, we have no green thumb. And it's not until that plant looks like it's dying (laughs) that we go out there and water that thing. But sometimes it's too late. Man, don't wait till your marriage is falling apart to get planted. To let somebody know that you need marriage counseling. Don't wait till your parts to get planted. But people don't like being planted because being planted is sometimes inconvenient. Sometimes being planted means difficult conversations. Sometimes being planted means somebody's going to call you out on that pet sin you've been keeping secret. Sometimes being planted means you're going to have to work things out with people around you or maybe you've got to work some things out with yourself. Being planted isn't always convenient. Sometimes being planted means you're going to have to forgive somebody that didn't even apologize. Sometimes it means you have to apologize somebody you don't want to apologize. But see, even Jesus himself was planted. And three days later, that stone was rolled away and new life came out of that ground. See, when we're planted, that old shell begins to fall off like a seed and new life comes out of us. Those old habits begin to fall off. Those old voices begin to fall off. Those old anxieties, that old depression begins to fall off. And conflict becomes a catalyst for new life. See, there's a reason that throughout the Bible, God uses this horticultural analogy throughout the whole thing. It's because he doesn't grow people by traveling them. He grows them by planting them. Dead things travel. They're called tumbleweeds. And I'm telling you, the enemy will always try to convince you to uproot yourself from what God's doing in you here. He'll bring somebody along to bring some offense. He'll bring a day that you don't agree with what was spoken on. He'll bring something along and try to uproot you and move you somewhere else to start over the process that God started in you here. And he'll try to convince you that you deserve better. You didn't deserve what that person said to you. You deserve better than that. This church isn't meeting your needs. I'm telling you, that's the most biblical, unbiblical, selfish thing I've ever heard in my life. Because we're called to be the church and we meet the needs of the world. But he'll try to come against you and try to convince you that the grass is greener on the other side. You know, when I first graduated Bible college, my wife and I, six years ago, you know, I I was, I I figured I was called to preach the gospel. And some of you guys are probably doubting that right now. But I knew I had a calling on my life. This is all I had was church. You know, I came out of rehab, I had nothing. I was barely allowed to sleep at my mama's house. So I went and did this whole Bible college thing. And, you know, obviously I needed some humility in my life. But I was convinced that if anyone in my class was going to get hired, it was going to be me. I was getting all the opportunities. I got the Jordan Gotro scholarship. I'm coming on staff at this church. Guess what? I didn't. Man, and for 4 years, I saw no opportunity. But I just stayed here and served. And you know, I began to get calls from other churches. I got two different calls from churches. One of them was asking me to go be a youth pastor up in Tennessee. I got a call from a church around here. And man, it was so tempting the grass looked greener on the other side. I don't see opportunity for me here. Things aren't coming to fruition as quick as I like them to come here. So why don't I just go there? And God began to speak to me and say, no, just stay planted. Well, actually, my wife began to speak to me. She said, no, Chris, we're going to stay planted. How many of you know sometimes the Holy Ghost wears a skirt? But I'm standing here with you guys today, and how many of you know That both of those churches that I had opportunities at, one of them has closed their doors and the other one, the guy who was trying to get me to come work there, doesn't even work there anymore because he said it's a horrible environment. Sometimes the grass may look greener somewhere else, but it might be turf. We've got to stay planted. I mean, I think of David, his own dad didn't even see enough potential in him for him to be in the room when the Samuel, the prophet, came by to anoint the next king. But he stayed planted. He just stayed there in his dad's field, tending to those sheep, serving, not to be served. But he just stayed planted where God had him. And guess what? They called him in that room. You know, Samuel said, don't you have any more kids? Don't you have one more son Oh, yeah, I got the one out back. Even if you're not hearing God's voice, you stay in position. He'll call you inside when he needs you to be inside. He'll speak to you when he needs to speak to you. You just got to be stay planted. See, tough seasons don't last. Tough people do. And if we stay planted, today's struggles will become tomorrow's strength. Today's fights will become tomorrow's faith. But we've got to stay planted. Even when you don't see the fruit that you thought you'd see. Even when God's not speaking to you the way that you'd hope he'd be speaking to you. Even when he's not bringing things to conclusion as quickly as you'd like, stay planted. Habakkuk one it says, I will take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. And he says, I will keep watch to see what the Lord says to me. Our second key to positioning ourselves to to hear God's voice is presence. He says, we keep watch to see what the Lord says to me. And I know if you've been coming to church for any duration of time, you hear it over and over again. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. And it's because it's that important. I mean, it is everything. It's the game changer. It is what God sent His only son down here to die on a cross for, so that he can have communion with you and have relationship and communicate to you in His presence. It changes everything. We've got to get in His presence. but I think a lot of times our tendency is to look at it as a task. And I think it's got to be more of a practice. We've got to practice the presence of God. We've got to give him room to speak in. Got to give him time to speak in. I think a lot of times we look at it as a task and we're like, I'm just going to read my Devo and I got these five things I need to pray about. And you read your Devo and then we pray about these five things and you're like, all right, God, peace. And God's like, I didn't get to say anything. How many of y'all have ever been at lunch with somebody and they talk the whole time. and They're like, oh, I got to get back to the office. And we're like, oh, okay. I haven't even got a word out. I wonder if sometimes God feels that way about us. Man, we gotta give room for God to speak. Sometimes we gotta turn our own volume down. Sometimes we gotta turn volume of the things in our life down. We gotta turn Facebook down. We gotta turn the opinions of our friends down. And we just gotta sit in his presence and give him room to speak. And this looks different for everybody. Man, one thing that God's really been doing to me, I've been just running. Maybe he finally found me in a place where I'm so out of wind that he can actually get a word in. But for me, it's been running and just giving God an opportunity. Some of y'all are like, man, I already knew I picked the wrong church. I ain't running. But it might be sitting in a deer stand. It might be I don't know what it is for you, but man, just ask God, open my ears, open my eyes, read a verse, give him time to speak. Man, one of the things that's been a game changer for me is somebody told me, hey, just turn the volume down in your car and just ride with nothing planned. And I guarantee you, God will begin to speak to you about some things. Give him room to speak. He wants to speak. He desires to speak to you. He created you to be in communion with him. You will always be lacking. You'll always be missing it unless we're in position to hear. We've got to be in position to listen. Man, you've got to give him a chance to renew our minds, to change our hearts. You know, Psalm 139, David said, search me, O God, and know my hearts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is the dangerous one. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Point out anything in me that offends you. Have you ever asked God that question? Point out anything in me that offends you. Don't get me wrong, guys. I know I work at a church and some people call me pastor, but man, my flesh can get just as crooked as yours. There's times where I can get just as selfish as you can. There's times where I can talk to my wife just as crazy as you can. My wife can get me back in line just as quick as yours can. But see, I've just got really good at practicing the presence of God and realizing that I'm a broken man and I need God to speak in. I need to give him an opportunity to bring his presence, to bring his peace. See, i come to the conclusion that there's two dogs that live inside of us. There's a dog that is the spirit and there's a dog that is the flesh. And whatever one we feed more, we'll live. We live in no shortage of voices. Everywhere you go, there's an opinion. Everywhere you go, somebody's got advice. Turn the volume down, turn the volume up on God. Open your ears, allow Him to speak in. See, when I get in God's presence, I'm reminded that no matter what I'm facing, it's no match for Him. I'm reminded that he's able to speak peace to my hectic soul. When it seems like the whole world is spinning crazy, he's able to bring peace in his presence. He's able to speak peace to that situation. I'm reminded that true wealth is never found in my bank account, but it's found in those around me. He's able to bring me back to perspective, and I'm reminded that his grace is sufficient for my failures and that his mercies are new every morning, for there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But I'm also reminded who I'm called to be, I'm called to be holy because he is holy. How many of you know God will call you out? I've come to the realization that God is way more concerned with who you are than what you do. Don't get me wrong. He's got a plan for your life, but being in position is more so about being the man he's called you to be in order to do what he's called you to do. So maybe you're in here and you've been listening. You've been trying to listen to God for a five-year business plan to become a millionaire. It's okay. It happens a lot. Let's be real. We pray these prayers. Or maybe you've been in here and you're like, God, speak to me. Which one of these girls are going to be my wife? Is it the one who praises like this or the one who praises like this? Just speak to me. And you don't hear anything, but maybe it's because he's trying to speak to you about how to become the man or the woman that can run a million-dollar business for the glory of God and not your own. Or maybe he's trying to speak character into you, how to be the man or the woman who can take care of his daughter or his son. See, I think a lot of times he's speaking to us, but we don't even want to listen. It's not what we're listening for. God will challenge you because he knows if he doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. He's in the transformation business, but we don't want a God who challenges us. We want a God who ch- pats us on the back and says, you know, it's okay. That it's okay. That little sin right there is okay. Cause long as you're not doing this one. Or he says, you know, I'm fine with all of your habits, your tendencies and your way of thinking, but church, that's not a God. That's a bad friend. He will challenge you in his presence. He will challenge you through his people. But we've got to remember that he's just trying to position you. He's just trying to position. It's how he speaks. So we stay planted and we practice his presence. He wants more for you than you want for you. That's a big statement. God wants more for you than you want for you. We just need to trust him. He's just trying to position you. Our third key. To position ourselves to hearing from God. Habakkuk 2 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision and make it plain upon a tablet so that a runner can read it. The amplified version says, So that the one who reads it will run. So write a vision plain upon a tablet so that the one who reads it will run. Our third key to continuing to hear God's voice is our response to his speaking. When he speaks to you, will you run with it or will you sit on it? When he speaks to you that you need to go through next steps because he's got more for you, will you run with it or will you sit on it? When he speaks to you and says you need to apologize to so-and-so, will you run with it or will you sit on it? When he speaks to you and says you need to go forgive your dad who was never there, will you sit on it or will you run with it? So I'm telling you, church, this Sunday And across our country, millions of people are just sitting on what God's called them to do. With all that potential inside of them, with all that God's trying to do, and they're just sitting. And it's not because of God's lack of speaking. We can get these first two right, but if we miss the obedience part, our third key is obedience. Will we be obedient to what He speaks for us to do? If we get obedience wrong, we miss the whole thing. See, our level of obedience will determine our level of opportunity. It will determine our level of peace. And it will determine our level of victory in life. Because God does not co-sign on what does not cooperate. And I think there's no story that illustrates this better than the story of the first two kings of Israel. King Saul and King David. Both of these men were God's mighty men. Both of these men were called. Both of these men were anointed. Both of these men were appointed to be kings of God's people. Both of these men were, became king at the age of 30. Both of these men did great works for the kingdom. Both of these men did great things for God. Both of these men made huge failures as well. But I think the only reason that we always speak of Saul in a negative sense and speak of David in a positive sense comes down to one thing. Obedience. Obedience. I think the same thing will be for us. Small acts of obedience can have big results in our life. But so can disobedience. We see this in these two men's lives. King Saul, first the first king of Israel. Man, what an honor that is. Man, God said that, the Bible says he had it going on. It says he was tall. It says that he was good looking, that he was handsome. Man, he was God's mighty man. He led Israel in the battle. People even built monuments of him because he was that great. But in 1 Samuel 15, we see God instruct King Saul about a certain group of people. He says, Saul, you've been doing all this for me. It's amazing. Man, he does such a great job at being king. Now, I need you to go to the Amalekites, and I need you to destroy all of them. He said, I need you to destroy everything that they have. So we see Saul leave God's army out, and they go destroy the Amalekites, but he holds on, and he brings everything back to Israel that was worth anything. He says he brought back all the good cattle. He brought back the Texas Day Brazil stuff. You know, it says that he brought back all the gold and all the plunder. It says that he brought it back. And it says that God's mighty man, Samuel, comes up to him. And it says, what is more pleasing to God in 1 Samuel 15? This is what Samuel says to Saul. This is what nobody wants to hear. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? See, Saul got caught. And Saul tried to say, yeah, I brought it all back, but it's because I want to offer it to God, right? And he got caught and then Samuel goes on to say, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. So many times we try to, we try to negotiate with God. Oh, yeah, I wasn't obedient in that, but I'm going to be obedient in this. You know, I, I, I'll give this up, but I, I don't I just just don't talk to me about that. And, you know, it says that Saul was actually he was told right then that he has been rejected as king by God. And Saul goes on to struggle to hear the voice of God for the rest of his life because he began to think his voice was better than God's. He began to think that his ways were better than God's ways. It says he got to a point where he was even going to fortune tellers and these things trying to hear God's voice. But then just two chapters later, we see a young shepherd boy who had just been prophesied over to be the next king of Israel. This is David. And what is he doing? Just got prophesied over. He's tending to his father's sheep. I don't know about David, but if I just got prophesied that I'm being king, I'm going to be like, hey man, y'all need to fit me for a crown. Where's the throne at? But he's back there planted in his father's house, enjoying the presence of God. And his father comes up to him and says, David, I need you to bring these cheese and crackers to your brothers at the battlefield. 15 mile walk. Mind you, these are the same brothers that he was just anointed to rule over. I don't know if y'all have brothers, but I grew up with brothers. If I just got anointed to be king, I ain't bringing no cheese and crackers to my brothers 15 miles away. But yet we see David walk in obedience. We see him obey his father and he walks the 15 miles and he has no clue that just walking and bringing those cheese and crackers would be what brought him before Goliath. The giant that he would slay that would trigger a series of events would eventually get him a job in the kingdom, which would eventually open up the door for him to be king. Man, this story's so good, but it all starts with cheese crackers and obedience. It all starts with a small act of obedience that positioned him with what God was already trying to do. See, obedience will open doors that experience never will. David was a shepherd boy, he took care of sheep. He had no experience being king, he had no experience fighting giants, but he walked in obedience. See, sometimes God's trying to do something so big in our life, but our disobedience is what's holding us back. He's trying to position us before kings, before prosperity, before provision, before protection, but we're complaining about cheese and crackers. Some guy's trying to speak to us about what's next, what he has next for you, but you're not in the place that you're supposed to be in because you weren't obedient in the last thing he spoke to us about. I know it because I've lived it. The band can go ahead and come up, Man, months ago, I began to feel God begin to tug on my heart about giving up a couple things. And these things weren't necessarily sinful. They weren't bad. By anyone's means, they're probably, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But God began to speak to me about these things. And one of them was Instagram. And you guys can laugh at me. I know there's some older folks in here that don't care about Instagram. But God began to speak to me about giving up Instagram. And I wrestled with it for a little while. I wrestled with it, and I deleted it, and I re-downloaded it. I deleted it for a week and then I re downloaded. He never really gave me a reason. I said, God, you've spoken to me through Instagram before. I follow HPC on Instagram, I follow pastors on Instagram. How many of you know, even though something may have worked in the last season, doesn't mean it's going to work in this one? And he began to speak to my heart. And he said, Chris, you know, I, it, this just really can't go where I'm trying to take you. I'm trying to take you somewhere and this cannot go to. I'm trying to take you deeper in my voice. I'm trying to take you deeper in the things of me. And I felt in my heart that God's trying to take some of us deeper. He's trying to take us to new places. He's trying to take us to a place where our ears are unstopped and we can hear his voice clearly, where we can sense his direction, where we can find healing. But we're clinging to the things of old, things that just won't fit where he's trying to take you. See, disobedience will always delay God's best for you. It will deter you from God's path and it'll disturb the peace has for you. See, disobedience will take a battle that's built for God's hands and put it in your own. You know, I think of David. Man, how did he have the courage to face Goliath? I mean, have you really thought, I know we know the story because we've been told it since we were children, but have you really thought about this story? Talk about a shepherd boy with a slingshot fighting a giant that hundreds of warriors are scared to fight. Because he knew that he walked in position. Because he knew that he walked in obedience. He knew that he didn't just wind up there on his own, but God had led him there. And in 1 Samuel 17, 47, David says, this isn't even my battle. This is the Lord's battle and he will give us victory. See, so many of us in here, we fight supernatural battles with a natural strength. we fight the same battle over and over and over again and we're tired and we're worn out and we don't see any victory we don't hear God's voice in it and he's just saying if you would just get back in position if you would just walk in obedience if you would just give me my battle back I will give you victory thank you for listening